James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Please follow along with me uh, as I read. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position, and let the rich man glory in his humiliation. Because, like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who preserves under trial, who perseveres under trial, For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let's pray together before we open uh, in, in our message. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to come to your word. This morning, as we are going to focus on this topic of wisdom, wisdom, asking, and believing. Father, this morning, would you just work in our hearts and lives? Would you just do the work that you know needs to be done here this morning? And as as we have gathered here, and maybe we've come with different thoughts of what was going to happen today, and and we've been kind of thrown a curveball, yet, Father, you know all things. Nothing happens outside your purview. And so we recognize, Father, that all of this is part of your master plan. And as we have the opportunity to sit under the preaching of your word today, God, may you use it in our lives in a mighty way. And we will give you all the glory and all the honor that you are deserving. And we ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. As you may be seated. No, you have to stand for the whole time. That's, that's what we're going to do, okay? This morning, I'm going to begin with three passages out of the book of Proverbs. I begin in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and it tells us the purpose of Proverbs. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge, and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let the 
Let those who, with understanding, receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Again, in the book of Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to move ahead to to, uh, uh, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out at the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gates, how long will you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish in your mocking? How long will will you as fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called to you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction that I offered. So I will laugh at you when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will, not list, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice, paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all those who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. And then the final passage is from uh, Proverbs chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wine, set the table. She has set her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city, Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, Come and eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live and to learn to use good judgment. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers, they will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. (coughs) Excuse me. In James chapter 1, in verses 2 through 4, James has, has worked very hard to develop the problem of trials. Now, I realize that in a group this size, none of you are actually struggling with any kind of trials or issues or tribulations. Amen? It got kind of quiet in here, didn't it? All right? But we know that we all deal with trials. Okay? And and, and in fact, James is is so clear here in verse 2. He says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Not if, but when. And so we recognize that. 
And so he's developing this idea of the problem with trials and, and the need to overcome them. And so in a nutshell, we might say that, that when it comes to trials, this is the what, what are the trials, and the why, why are there trials in people's lives. Okay, now I, I'm, I'm kind of going to gloss over that real quick because what we want to get to this morning, our, our key verses here are in verses 5 through 8. And James now begins to discuss the how. He's already covered the what, he's already covered the why, and now he's going to cover the, the how. That is, what is the solution for overcoming various trials? And namely, that is going to be through wisdom. Now, that's the connection between all of the Proverbs passages and where we're headed this morning. All right? And so that kind of gives us an idea. It flows naturally out of verse 4 where those who allow endurance to do its perfect work in them lack nothing. Look at verse 4 real quick. Let endurance have its perfect work. It, the result there is that you may be what? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, so there's a purpose to our trials. There's a purpose to all that is, is going on here. And James turns to the one thing that all too many of us lack, and that is wisdom. Wisdom from God. So here's our big idea this morning, okay? God gives wisdom. He gives it generously, he gives it abundantly, and he gives it liberally. Our God is a God that gives wisdom generously, abundantly, and liberally. Now, often we find ourselves overwhelmed in the tangle of circumstances, i.e. trials, right? Been there, done that. We've got the emotional scars to prove it. We've all been through all kinds of trials. And there is often no way in which it can seem other than just a purposeless mess, you get yourself into a situation. Sometimes things happen because of our own dumb decisions. Sometimes things just happen to us because of maybe others' decisions. But in the reality of it all, we recognize that it's a mess. And we're caught up in this, what seems to us to be a purposeless mess. There's no stretch of the imagination to, by which that we even begin to look at the possibility of these problems being real stepping stones to reach maturity. So in a word, when we encounter those issues, when we encounter those trials, we need wisdom. We need wisdom to know how to respond. We need wisdom to know how to bring glory and honor to God in the midst of this mess, in the midst of this what seemingly uncontrollable stuff that's going on around us, God's wisdom allows us to make better decisions and to move forward. So let me give you a working definition this morning of wisdom. Okay, 
Wisdom is the ability to see all of life as serving the purposes of the Lord. Let me say it again. Wisdom is the ability to see all of life as serving the purposes of the Lord. Now, I'm going to just step over here, and, and here's, here's a parenthesis, okay? If you just think about that for a second. If you looked at every situation, every problem, every trial, every issue that you walked into, and you immediately looked at it from the perspective of, how is this directed of the Lord, and how can it cause me to grow and change and be more like Jesus? Right there is all you really need for this morning's sermon. Right? Everybody say amen. Okay. But we're not stopping there. Nice try. All right? We're going we're gonna to keep going. But, but you need to understand, that's, that's really the, the crux of what we're talking about here this morning. Is, is that all, being able to see life from a perspective of serving the purposes of God rather than my own selfishness. So all of us know what it's like to be in the midst of a trial. Amen? Now you're going to you're gonna have to work with me here because the bottom line is, is, is I came in this morning and, and uh, it's like the old preacher said, I think it was Spurgeon said, that uh, I'm just one blind beggar helping another blind beggar looking for some bread. Amen? That's what we're doing. So we're just talking this morning. Okay? So, so here's the situation. We're, we've all been in the midst of a trial. We remember all too well. Oh, man. Do we, do we not remember all too well the wrong responses, the resistant attitudes, and the temper flare-ups demanding instant relief? These have, in reality, done nothing but to advance our own immaturity and our own misery. Amen? I mean, I, I've been there, and, and, and I, I totally understand that. I know that. Okay, so why do we react like that? Why do we do these things? Why don't we just toughen up and hang in there? Well, this morning, we're going to see that James is going to give us two reasons why our troubles sometimes get the best of us. So two reasons this morning why sometimes, as James sees it, that troubles get the best of us. Number one is simply this. It's a lack of wisdom. A lack of wisdom. Take your Bibles this morning. If you've got them open to James uh, chapter 1, we're going to begin by looking at verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, it will be given to you. When we're in the midst of a trial, we may reflectively cry out, Oh, God, why me? Why is this happening to me? There is nothing redemptive in this trial that I'm walking through. Why does it just seem to continue to go on and on and on? Or the other side of that is, Lord, get me out of this. Now, I know none of y'all have ever prayed that way. But you get in the middle of some of those things and you're just like, I'm out. God, get me out. When you're in the middle of that trial, let me, let me just ask you this, because we're just talking, right? How many would say this? When you're being in the, tested, Lord, I need your wisdom. 
please somehow use this trial to increase my wisdom and my understanding of you in all of this mess that's going on in my life. But that's exactly what James is commanding us to do here. If you lack wisdom, he should ask God. The first part of verse 5 tells us that. Literally, let him ask God. If you lack wisdom, ask God. What is this wisdom that we are to ask for? Well, the idea becomes really a lot clearer. We're not going to just try to define wisdom, but we're going to look at what wisdom is not. All right? So, when you think about what wisdom is and what it's not, wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not knowledge. Someone once said, knowing, knowledge is knowing that fruit, it, oh boy, I've already messed this up. Let me, one more time. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is fruit. Wisdom is knowing you don't put it in a fruit salad. Well, that was a whole lot funnier when I wrote it in the office, but all right. <laughs> Wisdom is far more than the accumulation of information and personal inner intellectual perception. The, the real fact is that through a vast accumulation of knowledge, uh, man has learned to travel faster than the speed of sound, but his lack of display of wisdom is that he is headed in the wrong direction. Man knows that he can move at the speed of sound. The problem is he has no wisdom to know which way to go. Man has amassed huge stores of information about the world, but it shows an abysmal lack of wisdom by failing to live in a manner that brings glory and honor to God. How many of you guys have one of these? When I was growing up, and, and I'm officially old, okay, I was expecting an amen out of the choir loft back there. All right, but anyway, I, um, I had a set of encyclopedias when I was growing up. And I said, somebody put on uh, Facebook the other day, uh, it showed what Google looked like for people that are of our age. And you remember the card catalogs in the library? And there was just like rows of card catalogs. And, and you, do you realize how incredible this thing is? You know, we're driving over here this morning, and, 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 and Lynn says, Hey, why don't you uh, look up on their uh, particular song? <laughs> Punched it in there. All you got to do is punch it in. Google will tell you anything you want to know. And it, it, we've amassed all of this incredible information. You know, whether you have uh, the card catalog or you have a full set of encyclopedias or whatever it might be that... that you have all this information now in the palm of my hand, and I'm able to use that. And, and what an incredible thing that is. But if we don't have wisdom, it's frankly just useless information. So wisdom, then, is not the same thing as knowledge. Wisdom is understanding for living. Biblical wisdom is understanding for living, which surpasses earthly wisdom. It's eternally practical. 
A.T. Robertson, a towering genius of the, of the Greek grammar, calls this kind of wisdom a practical use of knowledge. Kind of putting those two things together. Scripture teaches us that practical wisdom is rooted in fear or reverence for God. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Because of this truth, we must understand that that somebody like Einstein, who we recognize was a genius in atomic theory, but, but here's a man that had no fear of God. He was a man, and, and I know this is going to sound really odd to you, but he's a man without wisdom. Or at least at one point in his life, he certainly was. Commentator uh, Lehman Strauss said this, During a, a conference attended by outstanding churchmen and scientists, Albert Einstein read a paper in which he said this, and I quote, In their struggle for the ethical good, teachers of religion must have the stature to give up the doctrine of a personal God. God's word says, that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14, verse 1. So wisdom really begins with a healthy reverence for God. Can I, can I come over on this side now and do a little parentheses? Okay? Because here's the deal. Reverence and fear of the Lord. Okay? We kind of combine those two things. And I would say that every believer ought to have a very high reverence for God. Amen? Within that, there ought to be mixed a little fear of the Lord. Because God doesn't play games. And we're going we're gonna to get to this later on. But there's going to be a time when we come through this passage, and he's going to say that the, the, the man who lacks the, the ability to ask for the wisdom is really going to be left in the dark. And he's not going to be given. So there needs to be a healthy reverence for God, and it doesn't hurt anything to have a healthy fear of the Lord as well. Okay? So that's free. You don't have to pay for that stuff that was over here or over here. All right? Works for me. All right. So, so, so wisdom begins with a healthy reverence for God. For the Christian, this is connected with Christ. Who has become wisdom, who has become for us wisdom from God? 1 Corinthians 1.30. So Jesus Christ is the perfect expression of the wisdom of God. And if we know him and, and we received him, we are changed by his wisdom. This practical knowledge for living is is a gift from God. And while it has its beginning in this reverence for God, and further endowment comes to us as we as the fact that we are alive in Christ, he has even more wisdom to give us, practical wisdom that will enable us to ride the trials of life to new heights. So, so maybe you've pictured life as, you know, you're in the midst of this trial and you're you're struggling and you feel like you're just kind of 
going down like this? What if we could see trials from a perspective that said, yeah, I'm in the midst of this trial and I just keep getting closer to the Lord because it's drawing me to God, not allowing me to be discouraged away from God. And, and here's the reality. I, I, I say this all the time. You are either right now where you're at, just coming out of a trial, in the midst of a trial, or just headed into a trial. You understand that? Because that's, that's who we are. We're humans, and we're constantly in trials. So wouldn't it make a lot of sense to allow the trial to help grow us to be more like Jesus. Now, I want you to note here that uh, God, uh, James says, God gives, he gives all generously and without reproach. He gives to all generously and without reproach. God will pour wisdom over us without putting us down, without demeaning us. Do you, you realize it's easy to wear out our human friends and family after they've repeatedly given us wisdom, given us advice, given us counsel, and, and sometimes they just get worn out. Or, if you look at it in a different direction, it, do you have somebody that comes to you and wants counsel, wants wisdom, wants advice, and you give them the wisdom, you give them the counsel, you give them the advice, and they still go and do the wrong thing? They just absolutely go off the rails. And he's like, seriously, was I not talking to you? Okay? And, and so it's, it's kind of like that. We, we will never encounter divine irritation from God. I gave you a head. Why don't you use it? I gave you a good mind. Why don't you use it? What did you do with the last bit of wisdom that I gave you? Have you ever been thankful for any of the good stuff that, that, that you know, God has given? Rather, God's response is this. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. I'm so glad you asked. Here it comes. The various trials of verse 2, which come to all of us, are nothing less than gigantic opportunities to gain wisdom. What a change of perspective that we see there. The smartest among us have no head start on wisdom. If anyone has an edge, it is to those that are undergoing trials with fortitude. Trials that bring glory to God. You and I will become wise if we're open to the wisdom that God offers to us. Listen to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the assurance we have in approaching God. So this is the assurance that we have as we come to God. If we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. We need to begin to learn to ask for wisdom instead of getting angry and pouting. Now, well, why me, God? Why, if God, if you really loved me, now I know you've never done that, so we'll just move on from there. By God's grace, let us ask for a large measure of that which he has promised us, his wisdom. 
So this morning, the first reason James gives us in, in why our troubles seem to get the best of us is a lack of wisdom. The second reason we're going to look at this morning of why James uh, in, in our troubles sometimes is this idea of a lack of belief. Is there any condition that we must first meet in order to receive wisdom in our trials? And and our text, I think, reveals this truth. It's faith. If we're going to be successful walking through trials, we need to have faith. So let let me illustrate that by going straight to God's Word. Verses 6 through 8. He says here, but he must ask in faith without doubting for anyone who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. The eminent Greek scholar uh, Martin Vincent said this. He said, the emphasis falls on the tossing, moving by the impulse of the wind, not, uh, but not even moving in regular lines, tossed to and fro and falling peaks. The, the bottom line here is, <coughs> excuse me, that the doubter is completely out of control. The one who doubts is completely out of control. The doubter, if you will, is on a wild ride to nowhere. The picture that James is is creating here dramatically drives home the, the point of the futility of doubt. Now, I've been seasick a couple of times in, in my life. When I was growing up, we get in the back seat of the car, and, and my folks smoked back in the day, and uh, they would uh, be smoking cigarettes, and the combination of riding in the back seat of the car, uh, doing this all the time, and, and you know, uh, the cigarette smoke. My mom always carried a, a three-gallon coffee can, okay? So I, but I've had two experiences in my life when I really, really understood what, what being nauseous was, uh, being seasick was. Uh, the first one was uh, my parents and I were on a half-day adventure uh, in Florida. And we went out on a half-day fishing cru- uh, cruise. And, uh, oh, man, they had a great time. Uh, they were catching all kinds of red snapper. It was so much fun. I spent most of that time hanging over the railing of the boat because that boat was just constantly doing this, and I was not used to that. And so, boy, I was just really, really sick. The second time, and by the way, that's not as much fun as it sounds. Okay, just wanted to let you know that. That the second time uh, that I really experienced this um, was a flight that we had with my daughter Susan and I. We flew into Beijing. If you know anything about Beijing, it is it is kind of surrounded by mountains. It's kind of down in a bowl, and so as you come in, uh, you just immediately drop down and then level out and make the landing. Um, and there were air pockets in, in that vicinity. And if you've not had the joy of experiencing air pockets uh, in flight, it's an incredible thing. And you've got your seatbelt on, and it's a good thing you do because we'd have whacked our heads on the ceiling. 
uh, it was amazing to just drop like that. And, uh, and so, boy, it, it really was some turbulence that I had never felt before in my life. I've flown a number of times, and I've never had an experience like that. It was brutal. I remember getting out um, of the uh, airplane, and we're walking through the terminal there in Beijing, and uh, my daughter Susan turned and looked at me, and she goes, Dad, you, you okay? Are you, you going to be all right? And I said, yeah, I'm just marking where every single trash can is. As, I, as I'm walking, you know, down there, because, man, I didn't know if I was going to be okay or not. And so I just made sure I knew where everyone was in case I needed to stop by and uh, make a deposit. So uh, all of that being said, uh, it, it just, when, when the sea goes up and down, when, when air flights get rough, uh, it feels like you're, you're up, you're down, you're sideways, even a whirling sensation. That is what James is describing here. And he caps off the description in verse 8 where he says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And what he's really referring to here is is literally a two-souled man. A two-souled man. He has one soul that believes and one that does not. James here is referring to the one, the, the man who is wrestling with doubt. One man with two minds. One he knows he's supposed to be following hard after God, and the other one is just full of all kinds of doubt. He looks to God and says that he has no needs. In, in the book Pilgrim's Progress, how many, how many have read Pilgrim's Progress? Anybody? Okay, a few of you have read Pilgrim's Progress. In, in Pilgrim's Progress, the, the man is called Mr. Facing Both Ways. A man of doubt. Mr. Facing Both Ways. So James' graphic description here is like a man bobbing like a cork in the midst of a raging sea, torn within by two souls. One, and, and, and tragically, this is kind of where we're at sometimes in our walk with the Lord. We, we know we, we love the Lord, we want to follow hard after Him, we want to do what is right, and yet we wrestle with doubt and indecision and all of those kind of things. And so, uh, it, it's hard here. In, in, in verse 7, James warns us. And this is so applicable, so appropriate. He says this, he says, For a man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. In that verse, the, that man is a believer. That man has received eternal life. That man is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But his doubting, his instability, his wavering life means that he will get no help, no wisdom to help in times of trouble. He will not ride his trials onward and upward to spiritual maturity. And guys, listen, that is a tragic waste to be caught in this constant battle of, of doubt. We, we want to live for the Lord, but we wrestle with this doubt. And so how do we handle that? James says, but he must ask in faith without any, verse 6, doubting. He needs to ask without doubting. Like the writer of Hebrews, he sees faith as the essence of the spiritual life. 
Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to Him, comes to God, must believe that He is. He is everything God is supposed to be. And He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So we must believe the immense, omnipotent, holy God of the Scriptures. And that He is equitable in giving to His own wisdom that they need. In terms of this present passage, if we are in trial, we need to ask for wisdom, truly believing, because God is just waiting to give that wisdom, and not only just to give a little bit, but to lavish it. Okay, so here's, here's my weird illustration. It's as if you are begging and asking for wisdom and God is backing up the dump truck. He's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you everything you need. But we have to ask in faith, not doubting. Is the Lord then saying, okay, wait a minute. Is the Lord then demanding a perfect faith? Is he insisting that we never waver, we never struggle a little bit? With doubt, if our faith had to be perfect, few would ever receive anything. For it's in our human nature to doubt. All right, so what do you, how do you balance that? Abraham and Moses were great men of God. They were not perfect in their faith. Jesus honored the stumbling faith of a distraught daughter, or excuse me, a distraught father in Mark chapter 9 in the midst of crying out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Make that confession to God. Lord, I believe. I'm struggling here. <clears throat> help my unbelief. Help me to make right decisions. Help me to do the right thing. Faith is a gift of God, Ephesians 2.8. Never forget that. Our Heavenly Father is working in our trials. He can, we can be given wisdom to understand something of what He is doing and embrace the process. God's picture, if you will, is brimming with wisdom, and it's, it's tipped over us. He is the God who continually gives to us. You think about it. The, the Lord is pleased, and He gives generously to all and without reproach. God loves to give. He loves to give to the point that, well, John 3.16. For God so loved us that he, what? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. That if we would only believe in him, he would grant us eternal life. What an 
What an incredible God we serve. He is ready, willing, and able to give us wisdom, to give us his son, to give us eternal life. And as we walk with the Lord, as we walk through trials, he is willing to give us the wisdom that we need to make right decisions. And go back to Proverbs. Okay, here's, a, here's that backwards tie-in again to Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs and read what it says about gaining wisdom. Wisdom is in the streets, crying out. Are we listening? Are we willing to listen? This morning we've seen that the first reason James gives us to why our troubles seems to get the best of us is a lack of wisdom. The second reason we looked at here this morning is because of a lack of belief. So, so let me kind of draw this to a conclusion or, as I like to say sometimes, land the plane without any airdrops. Okay? So let's land the plane this morning. What are we going through? There's probably not a person in the hearing of my voice this morning that isn't dealing with some kind of trial. It doesn't have to be a huge trial. It's trial. And again, you're either just coming out of a trial, you're just going into a trial, or you're smack dab in the middle of something right now. Okay? So understanding that, what are we walking through? What's going on in your life this morning? I, I can't know that. I can barely know what's going on in my own life sometimes. And so I can't know that. But, but here's, here's the reality. Do we want to ride those wild things that are beyond our control? Have you been there? Done that? You've, you've been in the midst of a trial and you feel like you are holding on for dear life. And it's all you can do to manage to keep your head above water. Or let me ask you this. Would you rather, you've got that option of hanging on for dear life, riding out the, out the trials, and, and hopefully everything will, will come out well, or would you rather run to God? Run into the throne room of his grace and fall down before him and cry out, Abba, Father. Literally, Translated, that translates out to daddy, daddy. When we need help, when we find ourselves in the midst of trials, we need to run to him and fall before him. If we would be willing to do that, then let us ask for wisdom, believing that God is able to provide. Not only able, he is willing to provide. How is it that God would have us to respond to his word this morning? Father, as